What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Transformer season here on Cinematic Reviews. I'm your host, Chris, and this is the show about all things movie and TV. Every week, I break down and review the newest releases, beloved franchises like Transformers and even upcoming projects. You can support the show by hitting that follow button on your favorite podcast network, as well as following the show on all social media platforms. All of those handles can be found on either the Cinematic Reviews Facebook page or the show's website at podgepage.com backslash Cinematic Reviews. It helps out a lot, and I really do appreciate all the love and support out there from everyone. For my world to live, yours must die. Transformers, the last night is headed your way. It has been said through the ages, without sacrifice, there can be no victory. Two species at war. One flesh. Optimus Prime has left us. One hundred billion trillion planets in the cosmos. colliding. The operation is over. We're not giving up, okay? Only one survives. Transformers The Last Night was released on June 21st, 2017. It was the 10-year anniversary of the first Transformers film. It stars Mark Wahlberg returning as Kate Yeager, Laura Haddock as Vivian Wembley, Josh Dumel returning as Colonel William Lennox, Anthony Hopkins as Sir Edmund Burton, and Peter Cullen returning as the voice of Optimus Prime. The film grossed over $605 million worldwide against an estimated $217 to $260 million budget, causing Paramount Pictures and Hasbro to lose $100 million. Quintessa's design was based on Alpha Q's design from the TV series Transformers Energon. The scenes of Anthony Hopkins' character, Sir Edmund Burton, visiting 10 at Downing Street, were filmed at the actual office of the British Prime Minister. 
Mark Wahlberg originally signed a three-movie contract with the possibility of being relieved earlier. He announced that the last night would be his last time playing Cade Yeager. Thank God for that. At the time, this was the most expensive and lowest grossing film in the franchise. About an hour of footage was cut for the theatrical release. The film clocked in at 2 hours and 34 minutes for its theater release. Steve Buscemi was Michael Bay's first choice to play Agent Simmons in the first Transformers film, but he was unavailable at the time. Buscemi went on to voice Day Trader in this film. Tyrese Gibson was set to return as Robert Epps, but scheduling conflicts with the fate of the Furious prevented that. Uh, he actually shows up in one scene at the end of the film. He is the one that tells Izzy that they're going home right before they parachute off the ignition chamber. Michael Bay did not want to return to the franchise for this film, but he was persuaded by Peter Cullen to direct one more installment. A physical prop of Squeaks was built for the film at Isabel Merced's request. Uh, she plays Izzy in the film. Part of the film was shot at Stonehenge. Bay wanted to set off an explosion at the actual site, but was denied. Uh, no surprise to that. It, so a replica was constructed instead for the explosion scenes. In the film, Cade and the Autobots use a junkyard as a base. This is a homage to the 2014 TV series Transformers Robots in Disguise, in which the Autobots use a junkyard for their base. And then lastly, there are 32 new robots in this installment. So somehow everything that didn't work in Age of Extinction wound up being in this film. Uh, the writing is straight up awful for one. The story isn't really entertaining at all. I was actually quite bored uh, during my rewatch for the podcast today. Wahlberg is taking himself way too seriously. Uh, the Vivium character is only there to be really sexualized. Uh, and then everything is... Everything else is just really, really bad in The Last Night. Uh, this installment finds Cade Yeager, played once again by Mark Wahlberg. Uh, he is on the run from the TRF, or the Transformers Reaction Force. It is a task force order to hunt down Transformers and anyone that helps them. The TRF is led by Josh Dumel's Colonel Lennox, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Lennox, who fought side by side with the Autobots for multiple films now, is now hunting them. I don't understand what the thought process was behind this plot. It just it doesn't make any sense. In my mind, Lennox would be totally 100% against this task force. Once again, this entire plot of the, the government hunting down Autobots is just ridiculous. It didn't work in Age of Extinction, and it doesn't work in The Last Night. On top of this ridiculous TRF plot is, is something even more ridiculous. This installment is tied into the legend of King Arthur, and Merlin. The staff of Merlin is the key to bringing Cybertron to Earth, and only a descendant of Merlin can stop it. This is the MacGuffin of this installment. This is where the Vivian character comes in. It is revealed that Vivian is the last descendant of Merlin, and apparently Cade is the last knight too. His destiny is to protect the descendant of Merlin. On paper, sure, this might have been really, really cool, but it wasn't. Uh, like I said, I was pretty bored during this, um, it's just a really big of a mess of a film. Unfortunately, uh, there were honestly only a couple of scenes that I really liked, uh, Bumblebee putting himself together at the beginning of the film was actually pretty cool. Uh, it was a neat idea that was executed pretty, pretty well. Um, that type of creativity is what this franchise needed. Uh, it's really the only creative part of this film. 
but it totally worked for me. Uh, the other really cool part is Bumblebee fighting Nemesis Prime uh, towards the end of the film. The choreography was pretty cool. Uh, Bumblebee swinging his hammer around while Nemesis, Nemesis Prime is trying to slice him up with his sword. The only thing that ruins the sequence is Wahlberg running around trying to wake up Optimus from this, I, I guess you could call it, spell that Quintessa put him on. Uh, it was just ridiculous. Uh, if you can ignore Wahlberg, which is really, really hard to do in this film, if you're able to ignore him during that fight, it's it's actually a pretty cool fight between Optimus and Bumblebee. Uh, Optimus has been kind of a father figure to, to be these last few installments, so seeing these two fight each other was pretty cool and kind of intense. As you could probably tell, I am pretty down on this film, and for good reason. It's just a straight-up bad movie. Uh, there are parts I really like in it, but I refuse to defend this film overall. Uh, when I was planning out this season for the podcast, I thought about doing it in timeline order. Uh, not a lot of shows actually do that, so I kind of wanted to be different. Uh, but in the end, I wanted to end this season on a high note, so I went in release order so that the Bumblebee solo film can be the final episode of this Transformers season. Uh, I didn't want to end with this terrible, terrible film. Uh, I wanted to leave this franchise on a, on a high note. So I'm going to do my best to still have some fun with today's breakdown of The Last night because at the end of the day, I still really, really love revisiting this very flawed franchise. It's just that these last two installments, Age of Extinction and The Last Night, are just really, really, really bad. Um, but we're still going to have some fun today. So let's take a quick break before diving into some standout scenes. On the next new release reactions episode, it's another double feature. I'll be reacting to Wes Anderson's Asteroid City and No Hard Feelings, the new raunchy comedy starring Jennifer Lawrence. I'll also be going over my top five films and shows of 2023 so far. It's going to be another awesome reaction episode. Check out new release reactions only on Cinemac Reviews. It's time for some standout scenes. First on the list is Merlin and the Three-Headed Dragon. So the film opens up in this uh, Arthur slash Merlin uh, flashback of the time of the, you know, the legend of Arthur and Excalibur and his mysterious wizard uh, Merlin, who uh, gives him his strength during that story. Uh, so... Michael Bay brought back Stanley Tucci, but not as Joshua, like we saw in Age of Extinction. He casted him as Merlin. Now, this makes no sense to me. Why would you cast an actor into two separate roles in the same franchise? Why wouldn't he just cast somebody else as Merlin and then just put Joshua into the rest of the story? It would have worked so much better. Seeing Tucci show up in this awful wig and beer combo was just ridiculous i wish tucci was not attached to this film at all un unless it was the joshua character that he played in age of extinction it just makes absolutely no sense this whole entire sequence is ridiculous uh the fact that michael bay tied this whole arthur legend into transformers is just stupid um apparently the story goes is that this writing team and uh, involved with this film had this different ideas of, you know, what if we tie it to Arthur? What if we tie it to, uh, you know, the Knights of the Round Table and all that other stuff? 
And Michael Bay just like, okay, I want this. I'm going to put this in the film. It just doesn't work. Um, it's, and then we, and then on top of that, we make Cade Yeager, this knight, uh, who is to protect Merlin's long lost descendant, who is Vivian. It's just all ridiculous. The writing in this film is just horrible. And it all starts with this opening sequence with Arthur and his, uh, knights taking on the, uh, believe it's the Anglo-Saxons. I'm not too, I'm a little rusty on my Arthur knowledge. Um, but there's this big giant battle going and, and Merlin is, is tasked with, uh, finding the secret weapon to, uh, to aid Arthur in his fight. And he stumbles across, uh, these transformers that crash landed there. Um, and they give him this powerful staff to command the three headed dragon that I think it's like four or five different transformers kind of Voltron power Rangers transform into, uh, and Merlin comes to the rescue with the staff and the dragon comes in and just annihilates everybody in this battle. It's just really, really ridiculous. And, and it's really unfortunate that this is how this installment opens up. It's just really, really stupid. Next, we have uh, Cade and Bumblebee attacking the TRF. Like I said, it was the Transformers Reaction Force. Uh, there's these Sentinels that are kind of patrolling uh, this uh, battle-ridden part of the city. Um, I believe it's Chicago. I'm not positive, though. Um, this is where we meet the Izzy character. Apparently, she lives there, which, again, makes no sense that this 14-year-old girl is living in this battle-ridden disaster with this Transformer called Canopy. It's just, this entire movie is just ridiculous. Um, but I wrote this scene down because I do like uh, Cade and Bumblebee fighting off of the Sentinels. Uh, you got Cade Yeager coming out of his little Doom buggy uh, with this hand cannon that he, I guess, made. Uh, he is just blasting the hell out of the sentinels and then bumblebee comes in and just annihilates them as well it's pretty cool it's like a good 30 to 60 seconds of, of action and that's why it's really on the list everything else is just when you break it down to the writing it's just really really ridiculous that this 14 year old girl is is living in this battle ridden like i said battle ridden area of the city it's just really really dumb uh, a couple scenes later, uh, we get Bumblebee putting himself back together, which is one of the coolest things, honestly, in the franchise. Um, and I will not say that very, very often in this episode. Um, but I really, really like this idea of if Bumblebee ever gets destroyed, he can just put himself back together like a magnet. Um, and the slow motion and the choreography and all that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, at one point, his leg comes flying across and smacks this one of the TRF soldiers in the face. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, it's just a really, really neat idea. Um, it's a little ridiculous and campy, but another point is where his head is jumping around and he like grabs onto the one of the dudes' ankles and just is annoying the shit out of him, I guess. Um, it's... It's ridiculous, but I got a, I got a kick a kick out of it. Um, just a really, really neat creative idea that this film and this franchise really needed. Um, it is unfortunate that this is really the only kind of 
creative part in this installment. Everything else, like I keep saying, is just ridiculous. That's that's the word that I can best describe this film is ridiculous. And it's just really, really bad. Um, then we have Quintessa ordering Optimus to find the staff, uh, turning him into Nemesis, Nemesis Prime. So I kind of dig the voice of Quintessa. Uh, it's kind of like this AI robotic uh, sound effect. Uh, I, I'd have to look up the actress's name, uh, but I did like the the effect of her voice when she talked. It was pretty cool. Um, what was kind of dumb about this scene is so Optimus gets brainwashed by being slapped by Quintessa. She literally slaps him, and that's how he gets turned into Nemesis Prime. You know, we get the effect of the red scar coming across his face where she, where she smacked him. That's, it's just so stupid that he is able to be brainwashed by being slapped by this little robot. It's just, it's, it's so stupid. But I do dig the voice of her. Um, it's just unfortunate that this movie wasn't as cool as that voice. Uh, then we have Megatron teaming up with Lennox and TRF. Uh, he is recruiting the Decepticons uh, for their mission to take down the Autobots. Again, this whole government plot to go against the Autobots is just stupid. Um, the fact that Lennox is teaming up with Megatron to recruit Decepticons and to fight the Autobots Makes no sense. Lennox would be totally 100% against this. He would not be teaming up with Megatron. He would not be a part of TRF. He would be with Cade Yeager and the Autobots fighting back against the government. This is just stupid and lazy and, and just ridiculous writing. Um, this entire scene is just stupid because it, it would never happen. Lennox would not let this happen. There's no, no way that they would allow Megatron to essentially re remake his Decepticon army is what they're doing here. They're we get this montage of different Decepticons that are either in prison or wanted or in some serious legal trouble. Like we're talking murder, bank robbery, all this stuff. And they are releasing these guys on house arrest. Essentially. Uh, I think one of the, Decepticons has to wear a monitor and and they can't leave the county. Like it, this is just really really stupid. It it makes absolutely no sense. These these are giant human killing robots and you're treating them as if they're on work release from prison. It's just stupid. Uh then we get Cade and the Autobots fighting the TRF and Decepticons in this small little town. Well, at first it looks like a small town, but then we get Cade flying around and, and running around with, with what looks like to be a bigger city. So it's really misleading that that what where they are exactly as far as set pieces. Because at first, you know, you get this. We even see tumbleweeds through here, kind of hinting that this is a small abandoned town. But as we get through this sequence, somehow there's like skyscrapers and, and taller buildings um, and I don't understand what the architecture and, and function is of this town. Like there is nobody living in this town. There's not, there's no bystanders. There's nobody in these, these houses living. There's, there's nobody. It's a ghost town. And it just, it makes no sense. 
now the action part of it is pretty cool i mean you get you get the autobots fighting off of the decepticons which is kind of cool um but when you kind of look at the the larger scope of this entire sequence it's just ridiculous that there are no civilians here there's it's just makes no sense um and then at one point we get Cade being attacked by these little i mean i swear to god they look like tie fighters coming around and chasing him and izzy and then Cade's like assistant jimmy uh who he found off a wanted ad that's a whole another ridiculous subplot there that i won't dive down because it's just stupid um but yeah they're being chased by these little tie fighters and yeah it's just it's this whole sequence is just ridiculous and lazy and uneventful really the next scene though i thought was pretty cool so we get this flashback of bumblebee during world war ii killing nazis now this scene is cool because i love to see some nazis getting killed that's why i'm a huge indiana jones fan but with the release of bumblebee this scene makes no sense because if we see in bumblebee and i'll talk about this more in next week's episode bumblebee crash lands to earth in the 1980s but apparently according to this installment he was fighting during world war ii against the nazis so that's one of the big problems with this franchise of them trying to like retcon and change the timeline. But on the, but on the background, you know, Paramount is still saying that Bumblebee is a, is a prequel to all these movies, but the timeline doesn't make sense because Bumblebee crash lands on earth in the eighties, like I said, but in this scene, it, he's fighting in world war two. So I guess at this point, Paramount's kind of picking and choosing, what installments uh, are connected and which are, are not. So it's just, when you look at the scene for what it is, it's actually a pretty cool action sequence because we get Bumblebee um, in this uh, armored tank outfit. He's not in the Camaro that he has been through all of these movies. He's in this battle-ready uh, truck that he transforms and he's and it's pretty cool looking design. You know, he still looks like Bumblebee. They just kind of changed the coloring on him, but it, but it was really, really cool to see him fighting uh, the Nazis with, with hot rod. Then we get this uh, crazy and ridiculous car chase throughout London. Um, so I'm going to, I haven't talked about him yet, so I'm just going to talk about him now. So Anthony Hopkins is in this movie. I don't know what he's doing in this movie. He is on another level. I, it, it's, I feel like Michael Bay is like, ooh, we got Anthony Hopkins. We have an Oscar winner in the building ready to do my Transformers movie. And then he just let him do whatever he wants. It was kind of like Jack Nicholson and The Departed. If you know the story behind that, Martin Scorsese basically let Jack Nicholson do whatever he wanted on that set because he's Jack Nicholson. I got to imagine the same thing when here where Michael Bay just kind of let Anthony Hopkins do whatever he wanted, which includes saying things like that's a bitchin' car or move out of the way, bitch. It's this is a side of Anthony Hopkins that I never wanted to see in my life. It's kind of degrading to him as an as a talented actor. And, and the fact that he he is a part of this monstrosity of a movie, it's just really disappointing. Um I'm sure he had a blast on this set. I mean, it looked like he was having a really fun time, you know, 
driving around London next to uh, Cogman, his his butler transformer. Uh, but it's, I found his character and this entire sequence to be just ridiculous. You know, Cogman is driving this very, very expensive hot rod. Um, and he's got road rage. And Anthony Hopkins is is just saying nonsense about yelling at people to move out of the way. Or he loves snuckle time with Agnes, who is apparently this his girlfriend. Or what, We're not even going to talk about that because that's just... One of those throwaway lines that we should never ever talk about, but it's it's just really unfortunate that Anthony Hopkins was just so ridiculous in this movie, um, being the Oscar winner that he is. Um, but I mean that that car chase is just really branded into my mind because of the ridiculousness of it. Um, then we get towards the end of the film. Uh, this the next one I have is Nemesis Prime coming for the staff. Um, this is. I put this scene down, and it's a pretty quick scene. Uh, but Nemesis Prime comes in and just wrecks everybody. He, we get into this chamber uh, where Merlin's coffin is, and this is supposedly where the staff is kept. Um, once Wahlberg and, and Vivian uh, find uh, the tomb or whatever, the staff is gone. Well, at least they think the staff is. It's just a stick. Turns out that the stick is the staff and it transformed like a transformer. It's whatever. So Prime comes in and tries to take the staff, but the knights who are guarding Merlin's resting place come to life and are shouting, you know, must protect the staff, must protect the staff, whatever. Optimus, aka Nemesis Prime, comes in and just wrecks these guys like they're nothing. I like that. I like it when these movies show how powerful Optimus is, uh, even if he's the bad guy in here. Um, so that's why I put this scene down because I, I really like that they just made him merciless and just badass during this little fight sequence that he has with these knights. It was really cool. Then we get the big fight. Uh, Bumblebee versus Nemesis Prime on this ship that's floating out of the water. So we're getting all these... I mean, it was... Again, I'm using the word, but this is how you describe the movie. This whole thing is ridiculous. Except if you just focus on the fight between Bumblebee and Optimus, it's pretty cool. Choreography, special effects, all that, it's pretty cool. The bad side of this scene is we got Wahlberg and Lennox running around with these giant waves crashing in around them, and they should have drowned. That's just reality of it. They should be dead. But somehow Wahlberg survives, and he gets this bright idea of jumping in the middle of these six-story giant robots fighting each other. And he's like, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to try to break this fight up. No, he would get crushed. This this makes no sense. It's just ridiculous. You got little tiny little Wahlberg jumping on top of Optimus, like yelling at him, hey, wake up, Optimus. We're your friends. And we got Bumblebee slamming his hammer down when he probably would have killed Wahlberg in the process. It's just really ridiculous. Uh, but if you focus on the fight itself, it's pretty cool. Uh, you get Bumblebee swinging his hammer around, trying to beat the crap out of Optimus. Uh, you got Optimus using his sword to try to kill Bumblebee. It's actually pretty cool. Um, watching this in the theater was pretty sweet, uh, especially when the part here next where Bumblebee uses his real voice finally. So Optimus has got basically Bumblebee at his at his death you know he's got the sword to his throat 
He's ready to kill him. Bumblebee finally gets his voice out and says, I am Bumblebee, your oldest friend. Optimus, I would lay my life down for you. That was pretty cool to watch in the theater, honestly. And it was pretty cool during this rewatch for the podcast also. Um, there was a lot of hate going around uh, the actual voice of Bumblebee. I kind of dig it. I thought it was cool. Uh, watching it in theaters was very, very cool. Very, very powerful moment for me. Um, not so much now because I'm kind of looking at it with a critical eye. Uh, but I was younger when this movie came out. Uh, what, I took my brother to it. Uh, but when that moment came on the screen, I was like, holy shit. We, a, we got to hear Bumblebee's voice and it was pretty cool. You know, this is a really cool moment being a Transformers fan. Um, but now it's just you got Walmart running around and the silliness of the of the waves crashing is this whole scene is unfortunately stupid. But I love the fight itself. I love the idea behind this uh, of the fight. You know, Optimus being the father figure to Bumblebee, Bumblebee being forced to fight Optimus in order to protect the humans like he was trained to do uh, on paper. Really, really cool. It's just it's surrounded by stupidness. Uh, yeah, it's just ridiculous. This entire movie is just ridiculous. I should have named the title of this episode Transformers Ridiculous. But uh, moving on, we have the battle outside the ignition chamber. Uh, so in order to uh, get the staff back from Contessa, uh, everyone, Lennox, Wahlberg, Vivian, Izzy, Transformers, they all have to fight the Decepticons to get entry into this ignition chamber. Um, we get some cool action. Otherwise, this is just noise. I was not invested into this battle at all. It wasn't like the Dark of the Moon battle in Chicago where I was like, this is awesome. I'm really into this. Uh, this battle was just really uneventful. Um, we get little tiny moments like Squeaks uh, rolling around with his giant hand cannon. And he takes out one of the, the sentry guns. That was pretty cool. Um, Optimus takes down uh, this one Decepticon that like, and I think I wrote it down, Infernoctus. He like splits himself into tiny little versions of himself. And we get that trailer shot of them coming out Optimus. And Optimus, with one swing of his sword, decapitates all of them. Uh, that was a pretty cool slow-mo shot. But other than that, this entire sequence is just noise. And then at the same time, you got the government and their scientists at NASA trying to figure out how to stop Cybertron from entering Earth. It, we don't need any of that. It could cut all that stuff out. We just need our main characters teaming up with the Autobots, fighting Decepticons. That's all we need. We don't need this jumping back and forth to NASA and, and the military trying to figure out how to take down this structure when our heroes are already doing it they just it's just noise this entire human element just gets in the way uh and just you kind of cut out a good 20 minutes of this film just on the human part uh then the last scene i have is the fight for the staff inside the ignition chamber um so vivian and Wahlberg decide to take it upon themselves to go into the chamber with the autobots while Lennox and Izzy and the rest of the humans bail out. Um, we get, so there's, again, there's parts of this fight that I like. Otherwise, it's just straight up noise. Um, you got Hot Rod jumping around with his 
time freezing gun. Uh, every time he fires, he goes, I stopped the time, you know, in his little French accent. Stupid, but I like the effect of it. I liked because at one point, uh, the hound is shooting his machine gun and getting the bullets all lined up. And when Hot Rod unfreezes Megatron, he just gets obliterated by lead. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, the music is pretty cool, but everything else in the scene is just ridiculous. You got Wahlberg floating around. So another stupid element of this fight. So the military thought it would be a good idea to blow up a part of the chamber in order to stop the transferring of Cybertron to Earth. So once Vivian and Wahlberg get into this ignition chamber, they're basically free falling the entire time. Like the entire structure is flipping up and down in midair, causing the gravity to shift in this thing. And so we're just, we're getting a lot of Wahlberg floating in the air, or Vivian jumping around trying to get to the staff. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid that they, they did this final battle this way. It's just really nauseating, really boring. And it's just really, really stupid. I just don't understand the thought process behind this entire fight. It's just, it's like they didn't even stop to think like, is this is good. They're just like, Hey, we got it. Move on. Let's just throw it out there. It's just really, really stupid. But yeah, so that's, that's the breakdown of the movie. Uh, just a lot of ridiculous scenes um, with, with a couple of good moments, like Bumblebee talking and fighting Optimus and then putting himself together. It was, there's, there's tiny little bits uh, of this movie that are really cool. Otherwise, the rest of it is just ridiculous and, and just noise. Next up, we have favorite quotes. I'm going to run through these f- quotes here. Uh, the first one, we have Cade's daughter, Tessa, over the phone. You don't need to save the world. You need a freaking girlfriend. Um, then we have Bumblebee. Oh, no, this isn't my real voice. This is such bullshit. Uh, Jimmy, Cade's right-hand dude. Uh, just a beanbag. It felt like a bullet. I felt it go through me. Uh, that's during the scene where they're getting chased by those tiny little TIE fighters. Um, this one from Cogman. Don't kill the messenger or the messenger will kill you. Cogman, another ridiculous character in here. Uh, but I just, I like that line. Uh, this one. From Hopkins is uh, Sir Edmund. What a bitching car she is. I mean, I still chuckle when I hear that line, but it's it's unfortunate that I had to hear Hopkins, Oscar winner, say bitching car like the way he does. It's just, I still chuckle at it. Uh, this one from Nemesis Prime. Who dares to challenge me? This is when he comes in to take the staff. Uh, then I, I I repeated this, but uh, Bumblebee's words when he uses his real voice to Optimus, I am Bumblebee, your oldest friend. Optimus, I will lay down my life for you. Uh, still pretty powerful words uh, coming from little Bumblebee. Uh, just surrounded. That whole scene is just surrounded by nonsense. Um, this one from the Hound. I don't have enough ammo for that thing. Uh, another one that I kind of chuckle at. Uh, this one from Optimus. Say hello to my friend Bumblebee. Uh, and then Bumblebee says after that sting like a bee after they take out quintessa um just a few quotes uh, nothing that really stands out to me like the other installments but but those are my favorites that i picked out of out of the movie favorite autobot definitely bumblebee 
Uh, I really like Bumblebee in here, you know, pulling himself apart, putting him back together, going up against Optimus, uh, one of the probably the most skilled warrior in the Transformers community. Um, I just really, really like Bumblebee throughout this entire installment. He's been probably my favorite next to Optimus. Um, and then next week with the Bumblebee movie, finally, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing him in his solo venture. Favorite Decepticon. It's the Infernoctus, I think is how you say it. Uh, that is the Decepticon that I talked about where, where he splits himself into like six or seven little versions of himself and he's running around and then Optimus, you know, with one swipe of his sword decapitates all of his little versions. Uh, I just thought it was really cool. Uh, the special effects and design that went into to him was, was pretty cool. Now negatives. Now this whole episode has been pretty much negatives. Uh, but I wanted to just pull pull out the ones that really, really irritated me. The runtime. Two hours and 34 minutes. Finding out that there was another hour of this movie is really frustrating. They should have taken out another 30 minutes. You know, get rid of the government stuff. Get rid of the TRF stuff. It's it's just all noise. All the human stuff is noise. We could have had a tight two-hour and five, at most, two-hour and ten movie. That's all we needed. We don't need these long run times of these Transformers films. Next one, military teaming up with the Decepticons. Like I said, ridiculous would never happen. Lennox would be against us. Lennox has been fighting with the Autobots since the first movie. And now he's going up against them with the guy that he fought with in the first movie. It's just stupid, lazy writing. makes no sense. This whole government subplot in these movies are just stupid, ridiculous. We don't need them. Just give us the Autobots versus Decepticons. That's all we need. The Vivian character. I haven't talked too much about her because I've been saving it for this segment. She's just eye candy in this movie. Just like Megan Fox, just like Rosie Huntington Wiley, just like uh I can't can't remember her name, but Tessa Wahlberg's daughter in the fourth film. She's just eye candy for the audience. Um the scene where she gets kidnapped by Hot Rod and given to Hopkins. And then for some reason they put her in a dress for the one scene. And it's it's just what was wrong with what she was wearing when she got there? I'll tell you what. Michael Bay wanted her in a stripper dress. Wanted to, you know, make her pop for the male audience. It's just, and it's just stupid. We don't need that. The, one of the, my main problems with these films is is how Bay treated the female leads in this film in these movies. Uh, there's a reason why Megan Fox left after the second installment. Uh, it's just, it's just. It's ridiculous. We don't need we need Vivian to be this stronger character because everything revolves around her. But when all you're doing when she's on screen is sexualizing her and trying to imply the fact that she is thirsty for sex and Wahlberg is is this guy who hasn't had sex since his wife died. And they're trying to create this sex, sexual tension between these two leads. And it's just ridiculous. We don't need it. Give them good chemistry. Make them work together on screen. Don't just put them on screen to show the audience that these are two very attractive people that, that we want to see have sex. It's, that's just ridiculous. We don't need it. 
put some substance into these characters. That's all I'm asking. Megatron's new design. What the hell happened to Galvatron? Last time we saw him in Age of Extinction, he was Galvatron. He wasn't Megatron. And now he's Megatron with a new body. This is this is the studio trying to neuralize their brains from Galvatron because it didn't work in Age of Extinction. So they're like, you know, audiences won't notice. We'll just we'll make a Megatron again. We'll we'll slap on a new body of him. We'll just forget that Age of Extinction ever happened. We, it's not that easy. We all remember Galvatron, and then the next movie you make a Megatron again. It's just come on, guys. The, that's the definition of lazy writing. That's just stupid. And then the script and directing, just really, really bad. One of the worst written movies, one of the worst directed movies I've ever seen. It's just, as you can tell from the breakdown, I don't think I've ever been negative during the standout scenes before on the show. This entire movie is just stupid and ridiculous. It's it's terrible. It's really, really bad, and it all comes down to the directing and the script. It's, it's just nonsense. It's so bad. Um, it's There's nothing else I can say besides how stupid and ridiculous this movie is. So to end this very, very negative episode today, let's go over the Transformers rankings. All right, I'll pull up the Transformers rankings here. You can find this on both IMDb and Letterboxd. Just search for cinematic reviews and you will find it on there. There's uh, 80 plus uh, rankings on there now and I'm adding more every day. Uh, so the Transformers rankings, here are they stand right now. Number one, Bumblebee. Two, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Three, Transformers. Four, Dark of the Moon. Five, Revenge of the Fallen. Six, Age of Extinction. And at the bottom at seven is The Last Night. I mean, what else can I say? It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's definitely the worst of the franchise. There's no way that these new installments can get as bad as The Last Night. As you can tell, Rise of the Beast ended up skyrocketing to number two, which was very, very surprising for me. Uh, after the bad taste in my mouth from the last night, um, I was really not expecting anything uh, extraordinary from Rise of the Beast, but I really, really, really liked it. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check it out. I had a lot of great thoughts. It was a, one of the best theater uh, going experiences I had this year. Uh, just a really, really well movie, well done movie overall. Uh, the complete opposite of that can be said for the last night, as I've been saying throughout this entire episode. Uh, yeah, it's just really, really, really bad. Um, but there's still a couple of gems in there, like Bumblebee fighting Optimus and Bumblebee using his voice for the first time and him pulling himself apart and going back together in that cool sequence at the beginning. Uh, but everything else is just noise uh the plot is ridiculous the writing is is terrible and lazy michael bay's directing is at the worst that it's ever been anthony hopkins's character is is in a different movie uh the vivian character is just on screen 
for sex and, and eye candy. Wahlberg is is being Wahlberg again. It's just really, really unfortunate that this was Michael Bay's last go at it for Transformers. Now he is strictly sitting in the executive producer's chair, which I think is the best spot for him. Um, he he helped produce Bumblebee and Rise of the Beasts, and, and those are the best of the franchise. So I think uh, he's he's at the right spot in the franchise uh, for him is just to be a producer, kind of help out with special effects and, and the technology behind it, you know, maybe throw out a couple of ideas, but him being in the director's chair was, was a bad idea from the start. Uh, I mean, the first transformers film was actually really good. Um, Darker to the moon was okay. We took a little step back with revenge of the fallen. And then we took many, many steps back with age of extinction and the last night. So, but I think I think the Transformers franchise as a whole is in a really really good spot. Um, coming off of Rise of the Beast, like I keep saying, it's it was really really cool. Um, I'm excited to see what else we get, uh, especially with that crossover coming in the future. Um, for those of you that have seen Rise of the Beast, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it's this was this was an interesting episode today. It's the first time that I've probably ever been this negative on the show and i try not to be it's just that this this movie really frustrated me really made me disappointed that this is this this exists um like i keep saying throughout the season i i really do love uh this franchise it may not seem like it in today's episode but i really do like revisiting this franchise every now and then because there are movies like Bumblebee and the first Transformers and even Dark of the Moon where there's actually really great stuff in there. You know, Shia was awesome in this franchise. Um, Megan Fox was actually pretty decent. Um, then you have, you know, Optimus and Bumblebee and Ironhide and and all these other Autobots that, you know, people grew up with. And then you have them going against Megatron and Starscream and Lockdown, who I think is the best villain of this franchise. There's... There's really good stuff in this franchise. You just have to kind of suffer through movies like The Last Night to to really get to those to those gems. But that was today's very, very negative episode today. But I still had a blast with this season. And, and I'm really, really looking forward to uh, Bumblebee next week, which I think is the best uh, installment of the franchise for sure. Well, that'll do it for this week's Transformers episode. Tune in next week for the final episode of the Transformers season with Bumblebee. Also, check out new release reactions every week on the show. Next, I'll be reacting to No Hard Feelings and Asteroid City, which are out now in theaters. I'll also be giving in my top five favorite films and shows of 2023 so far. Autobots, roll out.